Hello and welcome to Bringing Education Home. I'm Herb. And I'm Christina. Together we are bringing you ideas about education, entrepreneurship, and relationships that are both inside and outside the box. If you like the show, be sure to follow Christina on Facebook. And leave us a review and like us on your favorite podcast platform. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Kara Terrell. Kara Terrell. Um, Kara is a mom to three girls, an early childhood educator, conscious parenting coach, and founder of Core for Parenting, a body-mind-spirit collaborative parenting methodology for raising truly world and kindergarten-ready kids. Kara is also the host of the Transforming the Toddler Years podcast for pandemic moms raising the, raising the COVID generation. She has a bachelor's degree in American Sign Language and Linguistics and a master's degree in education. Her passion is engaging parents to be their child's brain architect between birth and five years old, setting them up for success in school and life. Welcome, Kara. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. I'm so glad that we met. We met last week and we've been talking and developing our relationship and networking. And it's amazing how it's kind of set up where you're the younger years and then I'm kind of taking a chunk of the next set of years. And then I have some other contacts that we're setting up for the next set of years. So through our Bringing Education Home family, we have kind of a connection through birth through teenage high school years of content and information and experts. So I am so glad you're here today to share with us a little bit about what you do and why you do it and what is something that parents might learn. So start with that. Why is this a passion for you? Why are you so invested in what you're doing? Oh, you know, it all starts when I was a tiny person myself. I was born into this world really, I almost have a lifetime lover of littles. I just felt that intuitive connection to other kids from a very young age. And I'm an only child. And so I had to seek it out, <laughs> right? I had to find those people down the road who wanted to play. And then I had to find the families who were looking for a babysitter. And the journey began there. And I just knew how important it was that we support kids from a young age. So um, fast forward a lot of years <laughs> and I became a teacher and I realized as I saw every single day, kids dropping off their kids to preschool and kindergarten saying, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're their first teacher. I'm thinking, but I'm not. And I, I wasn't, you are, and you were, and how lost and invisible those early learning years are to most. And it's not through the fault of them. It's, it's through what we've designed for them to believe is the educational journey of their child. So that's why I'm so passionate about what I do. That's why I left the classroom as a full-time teacher. And that's why I empower moms to take charge of birth to five and really raise ready kids in every sense of the word. I love that. Exactly. I mean, as we're developing and working with our education model, it's the same thing. We want to empower those parents to realize that they are the first teachers and what the kids see in the home and around the home and the attitudes that they have help develop them for the future success. So we want them seeing really good stuff. And what I've noticed, especially with our COVID generation being here and now being school ready, right? Kids who were born during the pandemic are now preschoolers. Kids who were preschoolers during the pandemic are now kindergarten and first graders. So they're both starting their educational journeys in a formative way. And 
it's skill sets that we need them to master or practice at least on a daily basis that allow them to flourish in small and large group settings. And so I find most parents, when I ask them, well, what are the skills that you think your child needs in order to be successful when they go to school? It's all cognition, right? They really believe it's the ABCs, one, two, threes, colors, and numbers. And again, it's because we've told them that matters, but it's time to tell a new story. It's time to teach people that there's three other quadrants of skills that need developing, and we need to give equal weight to all of them. And then we have a ready kid. I love it. You are so right on. And it's amazing because when Herb and I were talking about vibrant family education, it was just that. It's like, how do we help them understand their brain? How do we understand their emotions? How do we understand their relationships so that they can be present in the society and in what they want to do. Yeah, because if they're comfortable with themselves and they learn how to people properly, they get their they get they they start to understand that that their personality is the hand they're dealt with to develop their character, not who they are. So to to get those tools at a younger age, not not the in-depth like but just to have that basic understanding that seed can can grow throughout their whole life and make such a difference and that that little piece that humanness is just being missed yes it is i call it the who before what methodology we have to know who was born into this world, into our care, right? What are their natural characteristics and attributes that they came into the world with? Because they lead with them. And then we can also see which ones do they lead with that are really positive and engaging and helpful? And which ones are kind of a strength for them, but not in a great way, right? It, it it pulls them away from finding their own successes. And then we get to balance it out for them because here's the beautiful part, and I know you know this, <laughs> that all of these, just because we're born with a tendency to do something doesn't mean we are determined to, to do that for the rest of our lives, right? right? These are skills that we get to develop. We get to tone them up and we get to tone them down. And as parents, that's our job is to be observers. Right. And facilitators help them understand and learn what to do with those emotions or those characteristics. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. In fact, you mentioned, I just started the Transforming the Toddler Years podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and after the first few opening episodes where I talk about, you know, who I am and what I do and why it matters, um, basically what we just did, uh -huh. I started a mini series and it's called the five executive functioning skills mm -hmm. that successful kids need to learn for to, to go to school. And it's been amazing to watch people go, oh, right. These are not things I think about every day, Correct. that a child needs to learn to wait, mm -hmm. that a child needs to learn how to identify an emotion, mm -hmm. how to say, I know what I'm feeling. So now I can actually process it. Exactly. I, I need to know how to be a flexible thinker. Like these are the sides that we are not prepared for. And what happens is these kids come to school and as teachers, especially now, mm -hmm. 
it becomes more about classroom management Mm -hmm. and kind of circus wrangling and (laughs) helping kids understand how they literally are supposed to function inside the classroom. And it pulls away from our opportunity to actually teach content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had so, um, actually, I would like to take that like to the adult level. One of the reasons that adults aren't teaching this to kids is adults don't know this stuff. Um, I hurt my head and I, in my treatment, I mm-hmm. was introduced to psychedelic therapies and stuff to, to deal with my brain damage. And through the process, I actually became a psychedelic integration coach because of how much it helped me. And one of the things that I'm learning is that adult don't, adults don't know this stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it causes so much stress and disconnect in their life that when they go into these ceremonies and they find this in the first place as an adult, it rocks their world and it, mm-hmm. and it starts to reshape it. So to bring that into a child's awareness from the start, can can just make such an impact later in life i mean some of the problems that our whole society is having right now with this disconnect from life and you're working instead of trying to fix the ones that are broken you're you're starting at the start to say hey let let's like try and make it so they don't have they to don't go through this have to heal or fix themselves mm-hmm. later. so that right? that's yes. really beautiful just from my from where i'm at if i had had some of these tools as a child i think i would be a little better (laughs) off at the moment even as parents i mean our children are grown and raised but if we had been able to have some more of these conversations with other parents along these lines when our children were younger maybe they you know would be a little bit different and maybe a little bit more successful i mean not that they aren't successful but at the same time they could be even more successful exactly And I was fortunate because I had gone through my education training and I knew child development and things like that. So we had a little bit different perspective than a lot of parents who don't have that education. But still, it was inside the box of the education system. system. And it wasn't the holistic mind, body, connection, spirit back to to humanity. Mm -hmm. So so bringing humanity back to before you go to school, that's that's incredible. Awesome. Oh, yes. You guys are so speaking my language. So this collaborative parenting methodology that I created, I call it a blend of soul and science-based strategies for exactly that reason that we must be in touch with the humanness part. And here's what I hear from like the moms who come into my program. I have a six-week program also called Transforming the Toddler Years. The first three weeks are exactly that. We do mindset work. We do perspective work. We crack open the brain and look and actually see what's happening in there, right? And then we get to these strategies for transforming reactions and responses and behaviors because one has to be there before you can effectively hope the other will actually work. And this is what I hear from moms all the time. I took your program because I wanted to help my child behave better. I wanted to understand my child better. Okay, great. But what I really learned was so much more about myself than I ever thought I would. And because I now understand myself better, I understand my child better. And we are working as a team. Yes. I love, love, love it. Love it. Yes. 
So one of the things that pops into my head, because we are really trying to help parents understand the education model and not just the traditional, but also alternatives, because we know that, you know, as we're developing our kiddos, there are some that just won't fit mm -hmm. in that box. You know, there are mm -hmm. some that need extra, need different, et cetera. And so I'm thinking that, you know, if their parents are learning what you're teaching them, guess what? That's also going to make that transition into either homeschool or a different education model easier as well, because they will be able to make those connections and help their child and understand what's going on. Oh, I have a perfect example of this from my oh, yeah. life. And my kids are also grown and raised. They're 18 and 20. And so I can talk about their younger years with enough separation that, that it's okay. Not too um, yeah. <laughs> so my oldest was, she's 20 now, um, a very high anxiety child. Mm -hmm. I knew so much about her, right? I knew where her triggers were and that transitions were really hard and larger group settings really set her off. Like I knew all these things about her and being a teacher, sending my child to a teacher, mm -hmm. right? I was a strong advocate of what she needed inside that space to be well-educated um, and not come home at the end of the day and fall and melt into a puddle on the floor because she had spent all her energy managing her emotions and had none left, yeah. right? That mattered to me. Yep. So kindergarten, okay. They had a program when she was young. We live in a tiny town. So like a small school, you get who you get for a teacher. It's either a good match or it's not. There's no option to switch classrooms. Right. And they had this program back then called the FANS unit. It was first and second grade. Okay. Okay. And it wasn't working for her. There, it was switched. They were switching classrooms throughout the day, like middle schoolers do. Okay. And I noticed that that was where she was telling me everything would fall apart. In not so many words, right? When it was right. time to go from this room to that room, when it was time to move here, it was the transitions were getting her and then trying to re-engage was just not possible. Right. So what I did is I said to the school, I would like to homeschool her half the day. Okay. I would like her to practice the skill sets that you are asking her to, to do because they are relevant to the way that you model education. Right. That's not changing. I can't change that. Right. The complaining about it, whining about it did nothing. Right. I can't, that's not a space I live in. What can we do mm -hmm. to support our child from where they need to be mm -hmm. their learning model space right. to match the learning model that they're being asked to live inside? So that's what we did. And it was amazing. So she would go to school in the beginning of the day and she would get her strong, you know, the reading, the writing, the math spaces figured done the way that they wanted them done. And then she and I would use nature-based learning and explore the world together and fill the rest of the gaps in a homeschool setting. And we did that until third grade, where I said, I have great news for you. Mm -hmm. Now you get one teacher, one room, four walls, your very own desk. Now there's concrete and structure to your day. And I know you can flourish inside that. And that's what happened. That is awesome. And that's what we want to empower parents to do. Look at what's best for their child. It might be the public school system. It might be homeschool. It might be a combination like what you just did. It might be 
a whole different program that we don't even know yet. But yeah, actually love. kind of our premier package right now is we do the mm -hmm. online school with reading, writing and arithmetic. And then we provide coaching to the parents for taking your oh. kids out to sporting events and, 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 or not sporting events, but dance, class. dance classes, cultural, cultural places. stuff, yeah. how to do stuff. Oh, yeah. So, so we, we will take care of the, the technicalities that most parents freak out about, mm -hmm. but then open up and provide the structure and the assistance and the guidance to also work. Mm -hmm. So yeah, from where you leave off to, it's like, to where we jump to, in, to where we jump in, it's just like, Yep. So, I just think it's so important. I was talking to my husband about this the other day that, you know, when it comes to medical stuff in our kids, we advocate, we want to know, right? We say, oh, maybe we need a second opinion. Is this really necessary? Um, is there an alternative to this medication? Like, we care about those things. Right. But when it comes to education, I very often find that parents just think it is the way it is. It's brainwashed. Yeah. yeah. They have, they just have to follow what's being told to them. And then what happens is I had a client recently, this happened. Uh -huh. The child ends up feeling like the expectation is on them to mm -hmm. meet what the school is expecting of them, even if it's not within the realm of what they're capable of doing yet. And this is where the breakdown is happening right now with the COVID generation right? Educational systems have not readdressed their milestones. Mm -hmm. They haven't reassessed what it looks like to be successful in a classroom right now. And so the gap is only going to widen mm -hmm. and continue widening. Like from where I sit, right? Yeah. Kindergarten can kind of look like everyone's functioning okay, because it's still kind of play-based and kind of content-based. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they start to, you know, ratch up those grade levels, mm -hmm. and the intuition has to kick in and reading between the lines has to kick in and actually reading has to yeah. kick in. Okay. Things like that gap just continues to widen if the foundation is not strong. And the, uh, the, the structure of the grading and the testing and the just the constant pressure to step it up step it up step it up the other other school systems just have testing at the end to make sure you got it they don't have all of this you're failing you're fa all along the way this this pressure system so mm -hmm. instead of allowing this love of learning to emerge from the children they're pushing facts at them in a classroom mm -hmm. that is not yeah. that's not allowing them to grow so with you teaching them working with them ahead of time yeah. the humanness and the and these these strengths then i'm not sure i'm not sure how that will will flow through the system because it seems like the system is going to try and take a lot of that away just because of how the system is built um yeah but to well, get that, that start through it is just a tremendous boost right from the get-go you hit it you hit that nail on the head, which is we talk about as parents wanting to raise healthy, happy, successful kids, right? But what's missing from that sentence? Somebody that has an innate love of learning. And you said it, and that starts, like they're open to it. It's yeah. just there. Toddlers want to learn everything, including what it looks like from the top of the bookshelf when you climbed up there when you're not supposed to, 
Right? Exactly. How come I can't do that? I have to find out why I can't do that. Preschoolers want to learn everything. And that's why they ask you why 47 times a day. They truly are curious about how the world is working. Exactly. Right? Kindergartners have a love of learning and they still have that really beautiful relationship with adults where they think you hang the moon and they trust you and they're willing to put their learning into your hands, which is why the quality of a kindergarten teacher matters so much too. Exactly. It's after that, that it starts to degrade. And so if we can really anchor it while teaching parents how to advocate for their children, if it's not working then the system will have to change right yes. so i'm going to give away one of our little secrets uh -oh. is our our school system where we teach the kids is is all just a, a cover that we're helping parents that we're teaching the parents so you don't train the kids you don't fix the problems with the kids you train the parents on how to yeah. understand and that yeah. that flows down. So, you know, Five our school, our coaching education. system, we're working with the kids. No, no, we're working with the parents and that that helps the kids mm -hmm. tremendously. So even even now what you're doing is like you're working with more with the parents and you're yeah. teaching the parents mm -hmm. yeah. and stuff that it's like they don't know. Yeah. Like, how come they yeah. don't know? They should have known. Yeah. Yeah. Working with the kids would be an, not an efficient use of time because I'm not with those kids 20 hours a day or 24 hours a day or eight, 17 hours a day, or you're not, their parents are right. like, they are the most trusted modeling adult in their world. And so that is where the shift needs to happen. And, you know, parents who come to me, they already have started like what you were talking about earlier, like this mindset shift of understanding, I choose to be conscious and intentional. I choose to cycle break. I choose to design the, my relationship with my child differently than mine was with my parent. Um, and so when they come already saying, these are the things I want to do, yes. then I can just give them the tools to do it is when we see massive transformation. Massive. Massive. Exactly. Yeah. And it's amazing that sometimes just having the parents kind of like talk through it, they get a lot of their answers themselves because they're saying it out loud and thinking it through. And so sometimes just those conversations with parents helps shine a light where they can make a change. And then that continues to grow as well. That's Something I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm remiss if I don't say, because I've been talking a lot about the, the power that we have as parents to craft our child's experience to match what they need because of who they are. I, I stand by all that, but we do need to allow our children opportunities to learn and grow. And sometimes that means allowing them to do uncomfortable things because that's where growth happens, right? Is in those boundary lines. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I have another story, which like, my other child, my younger, mm -hmm. who's now 18. So again, tiny town, all right? She has what's called audio processing disorder. So during her elementary school years, our elementary school goes K through six. Uh -huh. okay? They're there a long time. <laughs> um, everything was fine. She had 
teeny tiny classes of nine or 10 kids because of where we live and the teacher and then the teacher's assistant. And like the environment was set up in such a way that even somebody with learning challenges um, and a mom who was constantly, you know, saying, okay, IEP meeting time yet. (laughs) It worked. Yeah. Exactly. My husband said to me as she graduated from sixth grade and she was headed to the next program and that school goes seven through 12. Okay. That's a lot of ages and stages in one building. One building. Yes. Um, he said, it's not going to work for her. He did too. It's not going to work for her. And I said, maybe not, but we can't remove the opportunity of her trying right. or we block her potential growth. We have to let her try and see what happens and then be ready to flex with the next opportunity. Um, And, you know, he and I went back and forth in this for a while because he just wanted to protect her. Right. right? And I was like, we're not protecting her. If we do that, we're sheltering her growth opportunity because the real world is not the elementary school. It's not going to be like that. Well, I mean, he was obviously right. She spent three weeks trying to navigate that new school, came home every day, like in tears. And then we found the perfect program at the perfect place. And she has been there that she's a senior now. Um, And in the school matched what she needed. But I still believe that allowing her to try and fail was the right answer. Because she didn't really fail. She learned what she could or couldn't do or where she needed help. And that's, yeah. the other is, you know, making sure that they understand that. And that's a mind shift for a lot of people is like, oh, I keep failing. Well, are you failing or are you learning and moving forward? You're, You're learning right. how not to do something. Yeah. Right. That was yeah. not a great choice of words. You're right. If I, oh, guess I didn't it mean that, but felt <laughs> like a failure to her. And, and of course it pulls at your emotional heartstrings to watch your child struggle. But that, I guess, is my point that sometimes the struggle is what allows them to understand what they do need. And it gave her a voice. Yeah. She advocated for herself. Nice. Yeah. That takes me back to my classroom years, you know, which wasn't too long ago, but I had high, very, very high expectations of my students. And parents would come in and say, oh, well, they can't do this and they can't do that. And I'm like, basically, you know, trying to protect them like you and your husband. But at the same time, I'm like, no, I'm going to expect this of them. And then when they show me they can't do it or they show me that they're having trouble, then we'll adjust and move and make it so that they fit where they need to be. And, you know, and I'm not bashing teachers at all because I was one, you were one. And we know that things have changed over the years. There's a lot more stress and kids, mm. and different <laughs> things in the classroom now. So it's harder to do that. But if a teacher can do that for a child, it helps that one love of learning because they're learning something new Two, it doesn't give them the, I can't do this and said, I can't do it yet. That growth mindset of I'll try it, see what I can do and then make a shift and move forward, hopefully. I am so glad you just said those two words. Right? Yeah. I was thinking it earlier when he was talking and it's like growth mindset. If that's a gift that we can give our children between birth and five, mm-hmm. then it's something they don't have to backtrack. They don't have to reprogram those neural pathways later because they're go-to when they have 
destructive or negative thoughts, because we all do, will be to reframe them. Yep. Yeah, I, I heard you using yet a couple of times as we went through this, and I, I heard the Carol Dweck coming out. So I knew that that was going to, <laughs> Eventually to come pop out. out. Um, yeah. I, I had a, a kind of a different question. Um, so a, a lot of the work that you do, th there are some parents who like want perfect kids and great grades. And so they're going to think, oh, I can do this to engineer the kid I want. Do you run into people like that? And what kind of advice do you have? Because that's just not going to happen. I love it. Um, so what do you do when you run into to that? That's an amazing question. I will say it's pretty rare that, because that is a really concrete way of thinking. And like I said, most of the people who are attracted to my work and, and to me already kind of know they want something broader, but that I run into this at parties actually, because I'll talk to people and tell them what I do and they'll be, and they'll come back at me with that. Yeah. So here's what I say to that. I ask them, well, what kind of human being do you want to put into the world? Right. A picture your child all grown up. Forget about the grades for a minute. Forget about how old they are right now. Um, let's not even worry about two years or 10 years from now. Like picture them at 25, graduated from college. Great. They had a 4.0 GPA. Yay. Awesome. You know, right. Goal achieved to check mark. Um, who are they? When they go and they have their first job, what are their bosses saying about them? We're so glad that he joined our company because he is so 4.0. No, that's not what they're saying about your child. Mm -hmm. I just had this opportunity because my daughter is looking at a gap year. She wants to be an au pair in Japan. Mm -hmm. And she had to fill out all this stuff. And it says, what are your top five qualities? What are your top five skills? Like that you're really, that who you are, who, what are you really good at? She couldn't come up with a single word because it's so much easier to talk negatively, right? right? So she went to her boss and she said, boss, could you please help me finish this section? And the list of adjectives was about 12 deep, honest, kind, compassionate, on time, flexible, humble. It just went on and on and on. Awesome. And I was like, that is the goal. The goal is to release somebody into the world as an adult who can make a positive impact and create ripple effects. The goal is not perfect grades. The goal is a good citizen to a good person that yeah. is not just good for them, but for their family, for their community, for the, yeah. so just yeah. I love that. I love, love that, that question. What are they looking at? What do they look like when they're 25? Yeah. That's wonderful. Cause even, you know, even in the classroom, I would have those parents that come to me. It's like, well, they aren't perfect. They aren't getting everything a hundred percent. I'm like, why do they have to be a hundred percent? You know? Yes. We want to teach the mastery. We want to make sure <laughs> they get the concept, but that doesn't mean a hundred percent all the time. And the point, the goal is to expose our children to the opportunity to feel achievement, Yes. right? If they start at a 74 and they end at an 82, that's achievement. 
that's success. That's forward progress. Um, and if that 84 all of a sudden starts to feel like the norm and now they want the 92, now that's more achievement and more forward progress. And that teaches our kids how to motivate internally, how to create an internal drive system where I'm the reason I choose to do something and I'm the reason that I'm succeeding. And my parents might say, I'm so proud of you, but guess what? I'm so proud of me. That just popped in a major question for me. So a lot of uh, parents and coaches and things want to set up some kind of sticker system or reward system or something else. But we know also that they need that internal motivation. Can you give us one tip or one thing that you help your parents do to help develop that internal motivation? Intentional language. I teach parents how to reframe the way that they speak to their children when they do something well. Nice. So exactly what I just said, instead of, I am so proud of you, it is, you must feel so proud of yourself. Instead of, um, instead of, I knew you could do it. Mm -hmm. It's, I saw you work really hard and do it all by yourself. Mm -hmm. And you are building their sense of self-identity their sense of self-esteem, and then a celebration, right? I love to include celebrations and celebrations mean connection. They don't mean go to the store, let's buy a toy, right? They mean connection. So it could be a dance party. It could be working together to make homemade pizza, Mm-hmm. Like whatever it is, and then make sure that you reiterate it at that dinner table. You're eating the pizza you made together that you allowed them to dump the 47 toppings on that maybe don't exactly go together. And <laughs> we are so excited to sit here and eat this pizza with you as a celebration that you worked really hard and achieved this thing. I love it. So we we intuitively got some of that right growing up. Some of it we or growing we up <laughs> while our kids were growing up, we we didn't quite get that very well. So I, I understand how some of that works really well, and I can see how others would work really really great. So um, I, I really appreciate that that you're bringing this forward because again, had we had this, we totally would have would have probably ignored it because <laughs> we were so busy. Um, no, we, uh, we, we really worked hard with, with our kids, yeah. um, but not having the tools. So, it, you know, if, if someone, well, yeah, I, I'm just kind of lost because it's like, man, I wish, I wish this would been there. So, exactly. so yeah, I, I kind of lost my question in all of that as well. So I just really want to say thank you for, for how you are doing that and bringing that out because I wish I'd had it. Actually, this is perfect for you to give us a little bit more information about where you are, how parents can find you. Are you doing any events in the near future? Let's give our parents a little bit of information. Of course, everything will be in the show notes. Everything will be right linked right down underneath, but let's hear it verbally as well. Absolutely. So if you are a conscious parent and you're interested in taking this journey to transform the toddler years, and by that, just know, know that I mean, if you had a child between 2017 and 2021, you are in that space. 
Okay. Um, you absolutely can come over and listen to the Transforming the Toddler Years podcast. You're going to get to know me much better and learn more about the methodology and if it aligns for you. I am hosting a free workshop on March 22nd called Transforming Your Triggers. And we're going to talk about how to turn reactions into responses so we tame the toddler meltdowns. Um, so I will make sure and get you that link. And then the next cohort of the program starts the first week of April. Perfect. Excellent. I am so glad we had this conversation and I love that you're going to be part of our library that we get to present to parents of, you know, it's like here, if you're having this issue, go look at this podcast and see if you can get some tips and tricks out of that. And I love, love, love that you've been here with us today. And, and I hope that we keep collaborating. Before we go, before yes. we go, is there something that we didn't cover this afternoon that you would really have liked to talk about? Is there one thing that is like, this is my thing. I would like to say this. What is what is your one thing that you would just like to to throw out there for for everybody? Thank you for that. So I alluded a couple times to this methodology. I call it the dual core development methodology, and it's the first core that I want to leave people with. And they are the core four connectors that anchor the parent-child relationship. So if you are not doing if you're not ready to really take major steps as far as applying strategies yet, that's fine. Start here. When you interact with your child, think to yourself, am I doing it from a place of mutual trust, respect, honesty, and an open communication channel? Hmm. That's where to start. Those are the core four connectors. And if you approach interactions with them, conversations with them, challenging, problem-solving results with them through, I will tell you the truth, even if it's hard, age-appropriate, of course, right? I will be honest with you. I will respect that you have your own personal opinion, and I will listen to it. Then you have already hijacked the majority of the meltdowns that you were going to have that day. Yes. One of the things I did with my kids is I made it very distinct. If I asked them to do something, I let them know that they had the ability to say no. But if I told them to do something, then that was a different kind of an issue. Usually it had to do around safety mm -hmm. um, and then they had to do it. Yeah. So whenever I asked them, they had the ability to, to back out of it. And so I, I, honored that and I trusted them with that. And so I, I lived by that one little simple thing there too. And so that kind of really goes along with building that trust and communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So another little thing, just, just that was like, we got a little part of that there, there. right too along the way. So, yeah. so that was really beautiful. Thank you. Those are, I, I couldn't possibly agree more with what you said. So um, to all of our family and friends out there who are listening, um, follow Kara. She knows what she's talking about. She ju just is just amazing at this. Um, if you have little ones and you are looking to grow strong, healthy, bigger ones, <laughs> <laughs> um, get a hold of Kara. Um, she has 
totally our seal of approval and we are totally going to have her back in the future when we can can get more into this great thank you all right thank you everybody and we will see you soon bye-bye